The book of Judges begins after the death of Joshua. So Joshua chapter 1 verse 1 says, After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, who will be the first to go up and fight for us against the Canaanites? So clearly, Judges chapter 1 verse 1 tells us, it begins after the death of Joshua. For how long? For a good 300 to 350 year period. Until the era of the monarchy when Saul became the first king of Israel. And also until the beginning of the prophetic era when Samuel came out to become the first of many, many prophets. So in this period between Joshua's death and the beginning of the prophetic era and the monarchy, 300 to 350 years, the period of the judges. Who are the judges? All in all, in the book of Judges, there are 21 chapters. There are 13 judges, if you include Barak as one of them, even though there's 12 there. Number four, Deborah, Barak. All right. So there are 12 men, one lady. Praise God for ladies. Amen. Praise God for women. Amen. So when men don't rise up, women rise up. Amen. So when we come to that period, we will share with you how important it is for men to take the lead. Okay. So I, I do men's conferences and one of my favorite, favorite message to men is you must lead. You must lead. But when men don't lead, women take over law, but the divine order is still men must lead. Not dominate, huh? Lead. Out of these 12 judges, only seven stories or narratives in the book of Judges. In other words, there are five or six judges just mentioned by name, one word. But only seven narratives because, well, you cannot have so many, right? But all of these seven is handpicked by the Holy Spirit and every one of these seven judges, their narratives have lessons for you and I to learn and we will learn it well in the next two and a half months leading to Christmas. But who is a judge? It's not the courtroom type of judge that we think about, huh? you know, with all the, with all the coat, cloak. I, I, I still don't know why they have this big, big ribbon here. I don't, don't know why. Even men also have it, no? It makes so effeminate, right? So I really don't know why. I, I don't know the history behind those legal... If you're a lawyer, tell me why. Huh? Why they must have this flower, flowers thing in front of them. Huh? But... It's not that kind of a judge. This judge is not a courtroom type of judge, but a military leader, a political leader that leads the children of Israel against oppressors. 
So these are the oppressors. And every one of the judge have to face an oppressor. And it is God that leads these oppressors to, a, to attack Israel, not because God is malicious, God has got a terrible agenda. No, it's to discipline Israel. And there's a whole premise of judges that God raised up oppressors it also tells us that not everybody loved Israel one, huh? that even when they enter the promised land, there are people who are enemies of Israel and God uses them <coughs> to discipline Israel. And it's the same for us. You think everybody loves Christians one? Huh? You think everybody loves the church one? Huh? You think everybody loves me one? Huh? No. There are many people waiting for Pastor Chiu to fall on. Many people waiting for SIBKL to fall on. Many people waiting for you to fall on. But God uses sometimes these inverted commas oppressors to train us, but maybe to discipline us. So whatever we see in the book of Judges, you can actually personalize it, understand? So it's not about Israel, Israel, Israel. No, it's about you. It's about me in our discipleship journey. So how do I describe the book of Judges? First of all, it is an adult book, meaning it's not suitable for children's bedtime reading, okay? So don't read the book of Judges to your son before he sleeps. Eh? Because uh, there are two adult books in the Bible. One is Songs of Songs, which is a sexual connotation. Oh boy, you know what I mean? The other one is a book of Judges, which has got violence. So if someone were to do a movie on the book of Judges, it will be R-rated. All right, it will be R rated, so it's an adult book. But we are all adults, right? Only two people say yes, right? So, <laughs> so those of you online as well, we are all adults, right? So we can tahan this book, we can, we can, we can cope with the, the narratives because it says an adult theme. But it's good. Why? Because it teaches us many, many lessons. Is also to me a sad book. Why? It's a book of misdeeds, misfortunes, misfits, even, and misdestinies. The children of Israel were supposed to go this way. Already we read in the book of Deuteronomy and we finished studying it in the last two or three months even before they entered the promised land, even before they crossed the river Jordan, Moses gave them three sermons again and again, do this, do this, do this. But they didn't do it. After Joshua has died. Wow, why? Eh? Short while, I'll tell you why. So, it is a sad book. So if I were to divide the book of Judges, very conveniently, is in three parts. 
Chapter 1, chapter 2 talks about a conquest. Chapter 3 to chapter 16 talks about compromise. And that's not the end. We would have thought that they would have stopped there, but no, they went even further down. And in chapter 17 to chapter 21, it was total chaos. You can say from the anarchy to the monarchy. They went into total anarchy. Whoa, how low can you go? The lowest of human depravity. That's how Israel, low Israel sank. So if I were to look at this linear diagram, it's not accurate. I was thinking a more accurate representation would be this. They spiral downwards. From conquest to compromise and from compromise to chaos. And just in case you tell me, Pastor, this is good for Israel. No. Because I see that in so many lives today. Once upon a time, you did so well. Once upon a time, you walked with God. Once upon a time, you obeyed Him implicitly. But somehow or other, as you begin to climb up the corporate ladder, as you begin to do well, as you begin to succeed in your ministry, haha, pastors are not exempt. Huh? You think only corporate people. Huh? You know how many pastors have fallen? Why? They think that they have arrived. And they begin to compromise. And today, many people's life is in a total mess. From conquest to compromise, from compromise to chaos. How sad. How sad. Why? Why did Israel compromise? Two reasons. And then I'm going to share with you how did they compromise. Firstly, there was no succession. After Joshua died, what happened? Well, the elders outlived Joshua. They also did well. But one of the reasons why Israel compromised was because there was no leader telling me that succession, whether it be your company or whether it be the church, is key. I didn't say successor. Succession. Understand? And I want to believe that in SIBKL, we are at that stage right now. And you have heard me share in July this year that it is time, not immediately, but certainly many of you have heard somewhere that Pastor Chu is going to step down. Pastor Lee Chu is going to step down. And just in case you think that I are, when Pastor Chu said that I go to another church, uh, don't. Because there's going to be a very good transition here. 
and I, come on, let's give a good clap of ringing band. Let's do that. Come on. Whoa. I like it. You know the best service is the third service. Agree, no? Yeah, whoa. Now it's not that those of you who are going first. Not, no, no, you're good. All of you are good, okay? It's just that I, I just feel that there is so much resonance. There's so much ownership. And it's true. We are in now in a stage of transition and transformation. Believe in us. Journey with us. Understand? And it will be good. It will be so good. And I want to thank God that God has given us the wisdom to know what to do. And I want to say this. The second reason why the children of Israel compromised in relation to the first is because Joshua's generation, the older generation, did not communicate or impart the goodness and the greatness of God to the next generation. And that's fatal. And you say, where, where, where is it? It's here. In Josh, Judges chapter 2, verse 6 to 7, he says that after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land and each to his own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him. So as long as Joshua was alive, no problem, great. Even the elders, even the, the, the leaders, they did it. But after Joshua and the elders had passed away, what happened? A whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, that is Joshua's generation, the eldest generation, and the next generation then grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had. Why? Because there was no impartation. There was no downloading. There was no intentional communication. And please, can I, can I contextualize here? It is imperative in SIBKL to build up the next generation agree with me or not if you and I don't do that we are only one generation you heard me say that many times away from extinction how a pastor how do I know it look at the west look at the west don't look at the west look at some churches so please journey with me don't don't feel threatened I'm talking to the older folks. Huh? Don't feel, yeah, but about me, Pastor. Don't worry. As long as Pastor Chu is here, we will sack you one. We will love you. But please, don't you think it's important that we believe and give opportunity to the next generation of pastors and praise God for our next generation. Come on, let's give God a crap offering for all of them. They are so good. They are so good. They are so good. And we are blessed. So, journey with us, understand? It's very important that we must transit and transit right because if we don't do that, then we will follow the book of Judges. From conquest to chaos. And we can't afford that, understand? How did they compromise? How did Israel compromise? That is very important. 
they didn't drive out the Canaanites. Those of you who have journeyed with us as we studied Deuteronomy, look, we have to look at the Bible as a whole one. Huh? So we don't look at Judges, it's isolated. No, we remember we did Joshua at the beginning of this year, remember or not? Huh? And then we did Deuteronomy, remember or not? Now we're doing Judges, okay? And I'll tell you what we'll do next year in a short while. It's a continuum. So even as we did Deuteronomy, just finished a couple of weeks, two, three weeks ago, Again and again, you read the refrain, drive them out, drive them out. Why? Because they have, their wickedness have come to a level, the cup of the wickedness is now full. 430 years, God gave them a chance, you know that? God waited 430 years. They never repented. They gave from bad to worse. And God says, I must wipe you out. And so again and again, through Moses, God told the children of Israel, when you cross in the promised land, wipe them out. But they did not wipe them out. You read that in Joshua chapter 1 or chapter 2. They did not wipe out. Tribe after tribe after tribe did not do it. So what is the lesson for you and I? The lesson for you and I is simply this, my friend. I'm not asking you as Christians, oh, you'll come out, I'll go to Tibet, I'll go and hide in the mountain and don't, don't, don't. No, no, don't do that because we are in the world but we are not of the world. Meaning, look, we, we still go to work, we still uh, mix around with our non-Christian friends but my question to you is, as you mix around with our non-Christian friends, uh, who influence who? You tell me. Are you sucked into their standards and the Babylonian system? Or as you bring or as you go into the world of darkness, do you bring the light? Or is your light diminished? You tell me. And there's a whole crux. As you enter the promised land, overcome them, influence them, and not be overcome. I'm not asking you again, repeat, uh, don't get me wrong. Oh, I, I want to set myself apart. No, not to, no, some of our best friends are non-Christian friends. In fact, they behave much better than Christians. Some of them. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to set up your standards so high. Never curse the darkness. You heard me say how many times? Just what? Can't hear you. Absolutely. Never curse the darkness. Darkness will always be dark. But you just introduce the light. Darkness will go. You do that in your workplace. You do that in your school. You do that in your homes. And 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, Paul tells us this. Come, read with me. Read with me. So every one of you at home, here, left to right, front to back, top to bottom, read loud. Are you doing it? It's okay with me? All right. Every one of you, read this with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 and verse 18. Are you ready? One, two, three. Therefore, come out from them. Touch no unclean thing. I will receive it. Verse 18, one, two, three. Sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. The Lord will be with you. 
the Lord will empower you. The Lord will protect you. But all that is required upon you, from you, you and I, is to come out, not, not to separate ourselves as, as, as holier than thou know. Remember, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. Everybody say after me, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. One more time. One, two, three. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. It doesn't mean we are higher holy. No, it's not. We influence them. You know, there's an episode in Luke where, where Jesus was leading a procession and another procession was coming out of Cain. There was sadness. There was death. There was mourning. It was a funeral procession. So even as the two groups faced each other, they met. So the key is this. Even as they met and intermingle, who influenced who? Does the one who is sad and moaning and death influence this group? Or does the giver of life, joy, hope influence there? You tell me. Jesus went over there and resurrected the Son. You tell me, you have the life. You have the word of eternal life. You have the light. You go to work. Who influence who? You tell me. We are the salt and the light of the world. Am I right or not? So you go into the world, influence them and not be influenced by them. Understand? That is exactly what the children of Israel did. They succumbed. They succumbed. They intermarried. And they adopted their idolatrous practice. John MacArthur says this. He says the church is now so adept, in other words, so good at compromising in the world that it has forgotten how to be uncompromising. That's because we readily accept the world's value systems and indulge ourselves in them to the point that we personalize them and they become our values or our desires. In essence, the world's standards has replaced God's standards in the church. Listen to me, KL. SIPKL is not one of them. We cannot do that. We have to stand out. Shine the light. Shine the light. Don't curse the darkness. Just introduce the light. And you are the light. There's so many lessons, you know, in the book of Judges. But to me, to me, the most important lesson is this one. Now hear me well. I shared with you there are seven narratives in the entire book of Judges, 21 chapters. 12 Judges, seven narratives. Seven is supposed to be the number of perfection. But in this case, it's seven cycles repeated again and again and again. What? Seven times? Yeah. And it is not fortuitous or not by accident, intentional. 
This seven times is God telling you and telling to me, this seven, I call it the seven perfect imperfections. It's an oxymoron. Oxymoron means you have two words juxtapose each other, which is totally opposite. Perfect imperfection, you know. I wonder whether any one of us have reached that stage. How many times have you fallen, went away from God? You cried to God. God brought you back. You went back again. How many times? You tell me. How does each cycle look like? Israel was saved and delivered. You are blessed. What happened? You became arrogant. You became proud. You think that it's because of you or the church doing so well. You see that how many times they left God. They've forgotten about God. What happened? God now sends an oppressor, an enemy, something, the locusts, eat up whatever you have, you have saved. You have made a mistake. And what happened? Now you cry to God. You suffered. You were in the doldrums in that, in that period for a long time. And then God heard your cry. Like God heard Israel's cry. And God now sends a deliverer. And then they delivered them and they were saved. And for a while, they all there, oh, hallelujah. And then after a while, they went back again. How many times? Seven times. Revival. Rebellion, reversal, repentance, restoration, and back again. It's sad. It's absolutely sad. And I hope and pray that none of you have reached that level in which God says, enough is enough. I give up on you. Why? You know, God hardened Pharaoh, sorry, Pharaoh himself hardened his heart three times. But the next seven times, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So sad. Oh. Listen to me very carefully, my friend. As we go through the book of Judges, can I encourage you? Enough, la. Take stock of where we are today, understand? Let him refresh you. Come back to God. Big time. And not because you did something and now you're wiser. You've become a wiser crook, that's all. George Santayana says this. He's a Spanish-American writer, novel, novelist and philosopher in the early 1950s. His famous quote is, those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it. You have never learned. 
Can I encourage you, my friend? Take stock. Take stock. Come back to God again. You know, I don't know about you. You know, the, the analogy I have in my mind is I'm walking on the lake. And then I see somebody drowning. Help! So I run to the lake. I can swim. So I swim. Chop, 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 chop. Struggle with this guy. Bring him to the shore. And he says to me, thank you, pastor. Thank you so much for saving my life. And as I was about to go, I see him jump back in again. So I go back in again. I throw him a lifeline this time. Come on, friend, come on. So I, I swam, I save him again. Second time. And as I go back to my car, he goes back in again. Third time, fourth time, five time, six time, seven time. Seven time, I say, you'll die, die. La. That's me. La. That's me. La. You want to die? Go and die. La. I know, though. Have you reached the stage? You want to die? Go and die. La. But not gone. How many times? 70 times seven times. That's how good God is to you. Come on, let's give God a good clap off. That's how good God is. That's how patient God is. But don't test His patience. Every time you don't learn, it gets harder to unlearn. You know that? Yeah. You're stiff-necked, you're stubborn, and you think that is, you can fool God. No. The book of Judges ended in total anarchy. Understand? Total anarchy. Huh. This is terrible. We may not even go through it. It's too grotesque, including a concubine. One affected the tribe of Dan, the other a tribe of Benjamin. And that is the reason why Dan, who went into idolatry, was removed from the inheritance in Revelation. Do you know why? You know why, Hela? It started here. It started here. And my prayer for every one of us as we study the book of Judges, don't just go through it, what you call perfunctorily, in other words, just superficially. No. Apply in your life, my life, whether you're a pastor, whether you are a leader, or whether you don't care who you are, like online or on site. Come on. And the book, the trouble of Benjamin. had to cut off a concubine or a prostitute into 12 pieces and send it to all the 12 tribes and there was civil war. Whoa, what anarchy is that? Listen to me very carefully. The reason why the civil war in your life, in your office, could it be that God is saying something to you, my friend, saying something to you? Come back. Come back. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Let me close. Can I have the worship team on the stage? I don't want to close with bad news. 
the good news is this. Is that originally in the Hebrew original Bible, the book of Judges and the book of Ruth is one book. Only when they began to canonize the Bible that they separated the book of Judges from the book of Ruth into two books. Why is this important? Why? Because, that's why you see, why is it one book? You see Ruth 1 verse 1, which is the next book after Judges, it begins, in the days when the judges ruled. Wow. That means Ruth follows Judges and it was during the time of the Judges, understand? At the time when the Judges ruled, Ruth was there. One book. Why is this important? There is hope. If the book of Judges just ended with the book of Judges, the last verse, there is no hope. But because it's one book, Ruth is the eighth book of the Bible and eight is a number of beginnings. And we are not going to end with Judges, we're going to end with Ruth just before Christmas. Because the book of Ruth ends with Obed, the father of Jesse, the last verse. Jesse, the father of David, and from that came the royal line from which Jesus Christ came in the genealogy of Matthew. There is hope. And only the hope is found in Jesus. That's all, my friend. What in Jesus? Come on, let's give God clap offering. So I ask you today, even as I close, I'm going to ask Pastor Jeffrey in a short while to sing a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful song. He sang last night at the first session. I want to sing it to you. There is hope, my friend. Come back to God. Big time. Understand. And be refreshed. Pastor Jeffrey.
Jesus, he stands before you. I think he's waiting for you now. I've seen you wander through the desert. I've seen you so lost in that storm. I've seen you holding on, you're holding on to nothing. And I've seen you battered. Rocked and torn I've seen you wander You wander through your desert I've seen you so lost In that storm Then I watch you holding on You're holding on to nothing Then you walk away battered And rocked and torn return to the Lord and be refreshed again return to your God let him break the stands before you I think he's waiting for you now yes Jesus he stands before you I think he's waiting for you now yes Jesus he stands Hallelujah. In a short while, I'm going to open the altar. This is my spirit. That moments like this is important. Understand? It's important. You decide how much is enough is enough. Understand? I don't know what is it that's holding you back. Understand? Cycle repeats again. How many times more? I don't know. Man, I don't know. I would have believed that today, that even as the words has been spoken and the song has been sung, you come back and be refreshed by God. As we sing this song in a short while, 
When you come, you come to Jesus, understand, not to me. The pastors will here be praying for you. In our first two services yesterday, we had a couple, young couple, married for three years. They both came up, said, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for us. We want to draw closer to God. Wow. And this morning at the first service, there was a couple that visited us from Sydney. And they came to this church and they knew that God was refreshing them so that when they go back, they say they want to serve God again. I don't know what is it that God is speaking to you, understand? There was a man that came out yesterday and said, Pastor, pray for my dad. He's unsaved. There was like another couple that came to pray, pray for our children who has gone wayward. No matter what happens, I don't know, but I know there's a new beginning, understand? That even as you come, you want to break the cycle, break the cycle. As I said this morning, when you break the cycle, whatever hurdles, whatever obstacles, there will be a breakthrough, understand? And there will be a breakthrough. If not, you will be groveling all the time and you will never win. You will a, live a defeated life. Today, no, no. You want to break the cycle so there's a breakthrough. Don't you want it for yourself, for your children? For your family, for your business, I don't know. You come back to God, my friend. God is working in this house, you know. One lady just texted me just recently, just a couple of days ago. He said, Pastor, I'm so happy because his son had 10 A stars for ICHSC, just results came out. 10 A stars, you know. Wow. Come on, let's give crack. Isn't it amazing? Because I can see her drawing closer to God literally by the week, by the month. Another couple, I think they are here. I won't, I won't mention names. You know, I'm just sharing general, which are true. In a court case, 14 years, 14 years in our court case, but somehow resolved. And today, here the, God gave him a wonderful deal. Isn't it amazing? Come on, let's give God a clap offering. And there's another lady here, I'm, I think she's here. She's a tumour in the pancreas. Any tumour, more than 5 cm, we know it's cancerous already. She's about 8 to 10 cm, so big. And we prayed, and we prayed, and she had the operation, and the pathology came back benign, not cancerous. Isn't it amazing? Come on, come on. God is in the house. God is in the house. The key is, do you believe it? Do you believe it? And if God can do a breakthrough for all of this, He can do the same for you. Amen. So we're going to sing this song. The altar is open. Now, now listen to me. This is not hype, understand? This is faith. There's a world of difference between hype and faith. I can hype out, but you have faith. I can't give you faith. I can hype out, but you, it's faith, it's you. You have to have the faith to believe. If you don't believe, then too bad now. So I'm going to open the altar. No matter what your situation is in your home, your health, your family, your children, your, 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 your grandchildren even, I don't know what it is, your career, whatever it is, you, you come and let us pray. Let's believe, amen. There will be a breakthrough. Let's sing this song. While ministry continues to the front, can I encourage every one of you to spend a couple of minutes alone with God, every one of you, the balcony, down here or in your home, 
don't worry about what's happening in the front here, understand? As I always say, can you turn the one square feet that you are standing into a personal altar? Will you do that? God is with you. God is here. Before you leave this place, do you want to encounter God again? Because God wants to encounter you, you know. God wants to give you a breakthrough. Do you want it? So you can close your eyes. Oblivious of what is happening around you. to give you a couple of minutes one on one one on one wonderful, sweet presence of the Lord, you know. I know it. All it needs is your sincerity. All it needs is do you want it? Do you really want to change? Do you really want to move forward? Enough. Just spend another minute or so. Can I do that? Just spend another minute. We still have time. Just one more minute. Just one more minute. I want to believe that even in this one minute, something eternal takes place. Understand? Because whatever going to happen is not only for this lifetime, it's for eternity. One minute, eternity is worth it. One minute, and it's for eternity. Wow. One minute, and it's for eternity. the greatest judge of all is Jesus Christ. If Jesus doesn't judge you, doesn't condemn you, there is no condemnation. Understand? There is now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. 
genius of the cross. It doesn't mean you go back and sin again. No. You come back to God. Understand? Every one of you, on site and online, you rededicate your life back again to God one more time. And this time, it's for real. This time, it's for real. So raise your hands with me. Everyone, set your hands up. All raise your hands up with me. As you set your hands, it's an act of surrender. Understand? Whether here, upstairs, or at home, when you raise your hands up, it ends in your heart. It's like a funnel, funnel. It ends in your heart. So you're saying, God, change my heart, change my heart. Understand? Change my heart. It has to be from within, inside out. If not, you go back again. But today, God, we raise our hands. We receive. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your blessing. We receive your power. We receive whatever it is you have good for us. That the past is the past. We let go and let God now take over our family, our circumstances, our desires, our ministry, our business, our work, our children. God, we yield, we surrender this day. And so, God, we thank you for whatever you have shared. As we begin the book of Judges, we know there's so much more to learn. And may we be good learners, Lord. Good, good learners. Thank you. I'm going to give you the benediction, so that those of you can go, go, but leave quietly. Understand, so that ministry can go to the front. Okay, and so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day. May the Lord always make His face to shine upon you and your loved ones. May the Lord, the good Lord, He's a good God. Understand, He's a good. May the good Lord turn His face to us, every one of you, and always grant you peace and shalom. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Live quietly. Live quietly. All right.